today, the provincial government announced it is coming to the rescue of TransLink, providing $479 million in funding over three years. The money is to help fund projects and address dwindling ridership. Um, that issue, that latter issue, is impacting transit systems throughout North America. Here is Brad West, TransLink Mayor's, uh, TransLink Mayor's Council Chair, who spoke on the issue with Premier Eby about 90 minutes ago. Take a listen. Had the provincial government not stepped up in the way that it has, TransLake was facing transit service cuts and fare increases, the hallmarks of a death spiral that too many other cities are falling into. Instead, this significant funding package allows TransLink to move forward, delivering high-frequency, reliable, and affordable transit services for the people of our region. That was uh, Brad West, uh, West, TransLink Mayor Council Chair. Uh, David Eby, our Premier, of course, was there as well. He said this funding will also help transit continue to advance and expand. Take a listen. This funding will allow the Transit Authority to continue to advance priority projects that help people get around and reduce pollution. Expanding the uh, battery electric bus fleet from 4 to 155 in the next 24 months. Uh, joining me now is Richard Zussman, Global News legislative reporter. Uh, Richard, I was just listening to uh, Premier Eby there. Uh, obviously, want to expand the bus fleet, talking about the uh, environmental impact it'll have. First and foremost, um, listening to Brad West there, uh, was the money needed? Was the money as badly needed as Mr. West made it sound? Yeah, it sounds like, and this is something the mayor's been asking for for a while. Uh, we are having a severe shortfall in terms of revenues uh, based on projections. We are having worries about long-term stable funding, especially as the province works towards an electrification of our entire driving fleet in terms of pushing people to electric vehicles, which will impact the gas tax that goes directly to TransLink. So there are substantial concerns here. I just got some numbers uh, sent to me from TransLink that shows uh, significant drop-offs in terms of ridership revenue. So back in 2019, it was about $659 million in ridership revenues. In 2022, it was only $523 million. This year, it's forecasted to be up to $594 million. Yes, it's recovering, but it's nowhere near keeping up with what is needed uh, to ensure that we have an expansion of services, that we continue to the services we have, and to keep rates and fares consistent. The other crucial part about today, Jazz, is the fact the federal government was nowhere to be seen. This request from TransLink was for money from Ottawa with Victoria to match. Ottawa didn't even show up here, and Victoria has left a foot in the bill for $479 million. So I want to confirm, the request was made. Yeah, the request was made. This came from TransLink, directly from Mayor's Council Chair Brad West. He held a press conference last month, uh, formally requesting Ottawa. They have a budget coming up in a week's time, and... The expectation all along was that that budget was going to have funding. I think the provincial government and, by extension, the mayor's council has gotten word from Ottawa that that money is not coming this time around, that it could be deemed too expensive uh, from the federal government to bail out all of the transit infrastructure, all the transit providers across Canada. 
uh, and that likely is not going to be part of the budget. So the province has this giant surplus that you and I have been talking a lot about, uh, worth more than $5 billion, and they were trying to spend as much of that as possible before the end of March and didn't want to roll the dice hoping that Ottawa would come to the table knowing that the window here provincially is closing in terms of accessing that money. So am I supposed to believe that, okay, I, I get the, well, if we give it to Vancouver, uh, everybody also want it. But are you telling me that if the Montreal transit system needed the money or a Toronto, that there'd be no money there as well? Like, I mean, <laughs> generally, they're so central Canadian focused. You're telling me they're willing to annoy everybody across the country in this case because of the potential precedent it would send? And this is what surprises me, Jazz, because everybody is in a position. We keep hearing out of one side of their mouths that TransLink is recovering faster than any other transit provider in the country, and the other side saying we desperately need this cash. And, you know, I don't follow day-to-day news in Montreal or Toronto like I used to, uh, but I think we would hear about it by now if they were desperately pleading with the federal government for transit support as well. So it's unclear to me exactly where the end game is, considering that, seemingly every jurisdiction will be struggling with these revenue shortfalls. Who's picking those up in other jurisdictions is unclear. Here's the province to ensure that we get that service delivery. And when you look at the areas that have been most impacted, suburban transit ridership uh, in some cases has actually gone up above pandemic levels. Uh, In the Fraser Valley, Surrey, Langley region, it's almost at 100%. When you look at the downtown core, closer to 70 percent so we know where the challenge is here more people are working virtually more people are working from home and less are accessing that transit system to move in and out of downtown vancouver Uh, so is translink confident that that ridership will come back i'm talking with the overall ridership it's all well and good if surrey's um uh, above and beyond uh, uh, pre uh, pre pre-pandemic levels but if downtown then this could be uh permanent and structural for TransLink, any any sense from Kevin Quinn today that if he believes the numbers will come back even for downtown Vancouver and some of the other areas that have not yet uh, hit the numbers that they were hoping? I think this funding shows, Jazz, that there is not a lot of confidence that it will get all the way back. That there is, reading between the lines here, a message that this funding is needed because not only is it short-term, but it's not going to come back long-term either. And that is going to cause a rethink of TransLink in terms of the way that operations are done. We also know that this long-term funding around the gas tax is going to go away as more people use electric vehicles. That's going to have an impact too. And then comes up the big question about mobility pricing. And that is going to be one of the great political conversations in our province. I asked the Premier about it twice. He said he's interested in creative options. For those not familiar, what mobility pricing is, is in essence charging people to use the roadways. And it would be punitive for those who live in suburban Metro Vancouver. The Premier has subsequently tweeted saying he is not considering mobility pricing because it would be political suicide. But it is good policy in many people's minds that, you know, you try to encourage people by getting off the roads, by charging them more to use them and offer them a transit system uh, in replace of that. So I think politically it's an issue that's dead, but but policy-wise it's an issue that will keep coming up again and again and again as we have these conversations about, you know, we know we're not going to have as many revenues as we used to coming into the system. How do we ensure long-term stable funding not only to keep what we have for transit, but grow and expand and, and improve the network. I mean, for our listeners, uh, I think uh, some of them may know or many of them may know, but when every time you gas up <laughs> with your fossil fuel vehicle uh, and uh, you pay 17 cents per litre at the pump 
that 17 cents, I think it's buck 85 right now, buck 80 around that range, 17 cents per liter of that goes toward, directly towards TransLink. That pays for our transit system, at least the operating side, not the, the capital side, but the operating side, essentially. And that is always, they're always fighting over dollars here and there. Uh, and Richard, I think you would, you would back me up on that. The challenge is that every single person who decides to buy an electric vehicle then doesn't pay that 17 cents a liter, hence the, the budget shortfall. Now, if we're at 5, 6, 7% EV use in the city, you know, I think everybody out there, every family is probably thinking, if prices continue to drop with EVs, that the next family vehicle will be an EV, which means they won't be paying. So Mr. Eby can say, we're not going to charge you for driving around the lower mainland. But five, eight years from now, we may have to revisit this issue when it comes to mobility pricing, and it will be a clear and present danger for TransLink when it comes to its funding. I mean, this is an existential challenge for this transit system. If it loses that $0.17 cents a litre tax, it's done. Where's that money coming from? The only government you can go to is the provincial government. Yeah, potentially Ottawa as well. You know, they work here this time, but Brad West is bringing a bunch of mayors to Ottawa in May, and they are going to plead their case that they need long-term stable funding. And it's not just people making that decision to move to electric vehicles, Jazz. The province is going to force people to do it. They are phasing out uh, the sale of new uh, combustion engine vehicles starting in 2030. We're going to start seeing that phase out. Yes, it feels like that next decade is a long way away, but seven years is not that long when you're talking about a seismic shift like this. And the planning needs to be in place now for those repercussions coming out of that. So we will see. I think there's going to be pressure on senior levels of government, Ottawa and Victoria, to ensure that there is clarity about where that consistent funding will come for the transit network, because it has been expressed as as important uh, in Metro Vancouver. People are reliant upon it to go about their business, and there needs to be assurances here. This gets us, you know, at least three years down the road, but beyond that, People are going to be looking for answers about who is going to foot the bill for the cost of expenses. It's interesting because central they do that in central London, but it's central London. It's, yeah. a, it's That's a world-class <laughs> city, and we're a mid-tier city. Remember, the last uh, Vancouver administration under Kennedy Stewart studied the issue. They didn't say they were going to implement it, although Ken Sim went to town on that during the election campaign, implying they were. But I think British Columbia, the Vancouverites especially, have great difficulty accepting the issue of mobility pricing. Perhaps it may be a couple hundred dollars on your ICBC bill uh, for driving around the lower mainland as a flat rate rather than saying if you just come downtown. Because at the end of the day, when you look at congestion, uh, Vancouver, downtown may be perhaps, uh, you know, the number one destination for commuting, but the bulk of our commuting, 90% plus, is suburb to suburb. It's not suburb to downtown Vancouver. So that mobility pricing model will also have to be um, looked at. But I think today's announcement, I think it's, it's unique in the sense that, as you said, what will the funding model look like? COVID or no COVID, what will it look like? And I think that's, uh, that is coming home to roost very quickly. That's for sure. Richard, thank you so much. Yeah, my pleasure so much, Jeff. Thanks for having me.